Hi, I'm Dr. James Ahrens, the ADHD author and veterinarian. Welcome to Podcast 37, Dallas, Texas. My second ostrich speaking engagement happened at the American Ostrich Association's yearly meeting in Dallas, Texas. I was one of four well-known ostrich vets invited to speak to the AOA members regarding health and veterinary issues for their million-dollar birds. After talks finished in the early afternoon, the entire audience congregated in a large auditorium to have a doctor question and answer period, similar to the event I was part of at the Reno conference. However, I felt different this time. I was less nervous and ready to add my opinion to various questions. Dr. Karen Hicks was sitting to my left, and Dr. Shiva Prasad was on my right. When we were discussing the topic of identifying an overweight condition in ostrich hens, I suggested these birds are easy to see by viewing them from the back. Their round body form reminded me of a woman wearing pantyhose too small for her. Listen to the podcast to hear the audience's reaction. Because he called the forest brother. Because he called the
Chapter 47, Dallas, Texas In early July 1994, I received a call from Chuck Ball, Executive Director of the American Ostrich Association, AOA. Evidently, I caught his attention with my various articles on ostrich medicine. The reports, Egg Incubation and Hatch, Pediatrics, and First Aid, appeared in the Ostrich Marketplace, USA, and the Rattite Journal, USA the Journal of European Ostrich Association, and the Journal of the Australian Ostrich Association. Mr. Ball asked if I could come to Dallas at the end of July during the next AOA mid-year meeting to speak on first aid and emergency care. Immediately after accepting his offer, I started worrying about my lecture and wondering if it was not slick enough for a broad audience. The slides I used were homemade, taken with my 35mm camera with a big lens. I typed out a sentence or two, framed it with construction paper, and snapped a picture. I called Susan to discuss other options. She suggested I use a more modern laptop to make slides from a program called PowerPoint. Her computer had color capability. I wrote the topics, sent the entire package to a company in New York, and they sent the slides back in a professional format. I finished formatting my slides the weekend before the convention. On Sunday, I put Adam in his backpack and took him out into the countryside behind our house. He was just past two years old. Towards the end of the hike, I lifted him from the pack, and the two of us walked together a short way. We stopped at a hunting cabin owned by Webb T. He grew wine grapes on a two-acre dry land vineyard and used the cabin for getaway weekends from his other ranch next to Cal Poly. The cabin was a mile into the hills behind my house. Webb let me enter the cabin when he was not there, and told me where he hid his key. My brother spent the night there the evening before Rob married. Webb didn't have electricity, but he did have a propane tank, and the gas-powered refrigerator was well-stocked with cold beer and soda. Monday morning, I sent the slide program to New York, the lecture off to Texas, and went to work the clinics. After my morning run on Tuesday, I returned and found I did not send the slides in the correct format, so I redid them and resent the package. My lecture was scheduled on Saturday, July 30th. I drove down to L.A. Thursday to spend the night with Debbie and Dana. Dana was going, too, to promote our slaughterhouse. We went together to LAX, checked our bags, and were sitting in the lounge waiting for our boarding calls. I looked up at one point and saw Susan checking in. Once she had finished, she found a place to sit in the waiting area. Earlier, I decided not to let Dana in on the tryst. I sauntered over to see what seat Susan was on then went to the counter to arrange for a change. Walking back, 
I waited for a bit, and when the loudspeaker asked for me, I feigned a surprised look and got up to see why I was needed. Returning, I told Dana they resigned my seat. Having been in the military, he did not question the change. Susan and I flew to Dallas holding hands and enjoying each other's company. When we checked into the hotel, my worries grew, not because I was having an affair, but because I couldn't locate my slides. Making my way through the labyrinth of the hotel corridors to find them, I checked in three different places, but no one at the hotel knew where they were. I called back home, called the imaging company in New York, and called FedEx. I was in a tizzy, and severely stressed, as I walked through the hallways of the hotel. I was unaccustomed to having things be so far out of my control. Although the hotel had air conditioning, the armpits of my shirt were soaked. This was my biggest nightmare coming true. Finally, I located the slides in the mailroom. I brought them up to the suite, and Susan and I reviewed the lecture, deciding it was right, and proceeded to enjoy the rest of the evening. Going downstairs for dinner, we ran into Susan H., a significant person in the California Ostrich Association. She asked us to join her, and the three of us walked to the main dining room. I was happy to see others I knew at the dining table. Dr. Shiva Prasad from the California State Lab was there. He was speaking the next day, too. He was my go-to person in the state laboratory system, where I sent all of my samples for further analysis. I saw Dana come in and waved him over. He pulled up a chair, as did four others. My attention was continually steered away from Susan while I talked to the people on my right and left about different ostrich topics. Susan was smiling and comfortable, and people migrated to her self-deprecating witticisms and subtle teasing nature. She loved attention and kept herself beautiful for chances to be seen and heard like tonight. And at the end of the day, we came together at bedtime and left the door between our adjoining rooms open. At 10.30 the next morning, Susan H. introduced me to my audience. The slides came out great. I used them as my crib sheet to guide me through the lecture. My initial nervousness diminished. I was still tentative about my speaking skills, but my Susan allayed these fears, telling me exactly what I needed. My lecture was excellent. After talks finished in the early afternoon, the entire audience congregated in a large auditorium to have a doctor question and answer period. All of the speakers were seated on a stage, just as I had done in Reno. I felt a difference this time. I was less nervous and ready to throw in my opinion on various questions. Dr. Karen Hicks was sitting to my left and Dr. Shiva Prasad on my right. We were discussing the topic of identifying an overweight condition in ostrich hens. I suggested these birds are easy to see by viewing them from their back. Their round body form reminded me of a woman wearing pantyhose too small for her. Evidently, I offered a perspective that was abhorrent to the women in the group. Dr. Karen cocked her head my way. She had her mouth open, but nothing came out. Dr. Shiva Prasad sunk into his chair. The room quieted as the women in the audience inhaled in a collective gasp, and the men next to them squirmed in their seats. Soon the oxygen level returned to normal, and the animated Q&A session resumed. After we returned home, I told Susan I wanted to gather my lectures into a book format. She took the project over, and a few weeks later presented me with 30 newly printed books. Susan H. introduced me again two months later. On September 23, 1994, Mary and I flew to Las Vegas, where the California Ostrich Association was meeting. I was a co-speaker on incubation and pediatrics. Mrs. H. read out a glowing introduction. 
Dr. Ahrens received his Doctorate of Veterinary Medicine from the University of California, Davis, in 1982. He has practiced veterinary medicine from his three offices in Paso Robles, Atascadero, and Creston, California, since 1982. He started working with ratites in 1989, and has since extended his practice area to include most of Central and Southern California. Dr. Ahrens is a member of the American Ostrich Association and the California Ostrich Association. He has lectured at a regional meetings for the COA as well as the national meeting of the AOA, where his audience has been ratite veterinarians as well as ratite producers. He has given seminars to smaller ratite groups and associations. With these lectures, he also gives hands-on laboratory demonstrations on incubation, hatch, and pediatric care of ratites. Dr. Ahrens operates an ostrich consultation service, which has been used by veterinarians and ratite producers throughout the U.S., as well as Canada. He has developed an ostrich production software program that helps farms track their eggs and chicks and helps spot signs of problems when they are in the very early stages. Presently, he is doing research in various areas of ratite medicine to help veterinarians improve their diagnostic tools. Some of these studies included tracking yolk sac absorption in ostrich chicks using ultrasonography, determining a relationship between the severity of impaction in a ratite and the bird's total serum solids, TSS, in a blood test, and using water therapy in adult birds that have sustained rib fractures and cannot stand. Dr. Ahrens and his wife Mary own Shattermere Farms Ostrich Facility in Creston, California. They have been boarding, hatching, rearing, and experimenting with ostrich for five years. The weekend after Mary and I attended the COA Las Vegas conference, we received a call from the adoption agency we initially contracted with to adopt a baby two years earlier. The first woman we interviewed passed the child to another family, and we were lucky to receive Adam from a different mother. Now Sally, the original adoptive mother, was calling us through the agency wanting to know if we wanted another baby. Yes, I told her in a second with no hesitation, and I went to find Mary to tell her the news. I loaded my truck preparing for ostrich calls in the Central Valley, as she remained home waiting for more news. She didn't have long to wait. A day later, she was called to Yorba Linda Hospital. Abigail was born on Saturday, September 30, 1994. After Mary had taken possession of the baby, she called me and told me I needed to stop my ostrich calls and come home. Bringing Abby into my life was a real game changer. Not at first, because I needed to finish my quixotic misdeeds. My daughter's presence focused my mind on the family. Because of Abby, I understood myself more clearly, setting me on a long road to self-awareness and self-acceptance. Finally. School was challenging for Abby until she was diagnosed with ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. I wasn't surprised. My brother Rob had similar issues in grade school. Many times his frustrated middle school teachers would send him outside to run laps around the ball field. They understood he had too much energy, like Abby. But Abby was given Ritalin instead of a running schedule. So I accepted the fact that my adopted daughter was like my brother Rob, but I had no idea I was afflicted until she graduated high school and started working with me at the vet office. I began to see similarities in our thought process. Pretty soon I realized we were two peas in the same pod. We think almost exactly alike. We react the same way and become distracted way too quickly. I have been able to help her learn by focusing her energy while gaining insight into understanding myself. End of chapter.
Thank you for listening. The entire autobiography can be purchased as an old-fashioned paper book or an e-book, as well as an 11-disc audiobook set, or can be downloaded from the audiobook site Spotify. More details are on my website, jeadvm.com. Thank you for listening.